you pray with me? Father, as we just come together this morning, Lord, we just want to acknowledge and recognize your presence here with us. Lord, Holy Spirit, speak um, through the reading and teaching of your word. Lord, move in our midst. God, we do pray for our, our high school and our middle school students and the leaders with them right now. They're, they're gathering in their sessions and worshiping and, and opening up your word. Would you um, speak powerfully there or do a transformative work in their lives? And Jesus, is today as we talk about Sabbath and rest, um, would you teach us to cease our strivings and to be found in you? And in your name we pray. Amen. There's a, a, a phenomenon that happens every couple years in my life uh, when the Olympics are on. Maybe you guys can relate to this a little bit. Um, where you're watching the Olympics and you see some obscure sport that you've never heard of and you think to yourself, like, that doesn't look too hard, right? Like, that maybe if I put in a little bit of effort, did a little bit of training, whatever it is, and maybe, like, in this particular, like, uh, curling or something like that, like that I could be like this Olympic athlete and, and, or that, or that maybe like there's nobody else in the United States that's even heard of this. And like, I just need to be the best here. And then I'm like vaulted to Olympic athlete status. Right. Uh, and, and the reality is of course, we know that that's not the case. It takes immense dedication and commitment. And Marcus, uh, Gladwell, wrote a book in 2008 by the title of Outliers. Malcolm, what did I say, Marcus? Thank you. See, I, it's good to have friends in the front row is what I, is, <laughs> when, when I, when I said socialist instead of social worker, Julia had my back, like that was a doozy, I know. Um, and Malcolm Gladwell wrote this book and in the book he, he t presents this idea, he's studying kind of the very best of the best in particular fields and he's looking at the habits and the practices that they employ to achieve this kind of level of success. And, and he comes up with what he calls the, the 10,000 hour rule. And this is the, the, the 10,000 hour rule kind of succinctly put. He says it takes 10,000 hours, this is his conclusion of intense practice to achieve mastery of complex skills and materials like playing the violin or getting as good at, as Bill Gates at computer programming. Um, so he basically, has, after all this research, it comes down to what we all kind of feel and knows anyways, right? Is that the people who are really good at their particular fields are the ones that work the hardest. After Gladwell's book in, in 08, this inspired all kinds of parents and, and, and students and that sort of stuff to enroll themselves in classes and extra practices and coaching or whatever because now there was this kind of this idea of here's what i need to do to be the best at this what's interesting about this is that the source study that gladwell uses um, to draw this conclusion it it studied more than just their practice habits in fact it found other factors that these like the virtuosos the best of the best of the best that they shared in common. And one of those practices, one of those habits that was true in their life was what the study the, the, found to be deliberate rest. In fact, on average, it identified that 
the top performers in their field, and they did their study in like the uh, Berlin Conservatory, so they were talking about musicians primarily, found that they averaged 25 hours a week of deliberate downtime. Alex Peng in his book entitled Rest, Why You Get More Done When You Work Less, he offers a bit of a critique to Gladwell's 10,000 hour rule. He says that those who research world-class performers focus only on what students do in the gym or the track or the practice room. This is how they come to believe that world-class performance comes after 10,000 hours of practice but he says, but that is wrong. It comes after 10,000 hours of deliberate practice, 12 and a half thousand hours of deliberate rest, and 30,000 hours of sleep. It's almost, according to Pang, as if we were designed with a need for rest. In fact, this is, is, is Pang's ultimate conclusion. He's a social scientist, and I don't, it's not clear to me in his book, Rest, like where he's at from a faith perspective. Um, but this is his conclusion. He says, social scientists are discovering the restorative power of healthy work rhythms and rest only to find Genesis waving back at them. And let's be honest for a moment. This is, this is counterintuitive in a culture that equates busyness with importance. In fact, if we don't feel busy, oftentimes we feel like we are neglecting something. We, we associate productivity with personal value. Sometimes we wear exhaustion on our sleeves as a badge of honor. And I think the most common answer that you oftentimes hear to the question, like if you're just in your social circles and you ask the question, how you doing? Once you get past that immediate fine or we're okay, the most frequent answer that I get is, wow, we're just in a really busy season. In fact, I've, I've heard myself say that like repeatedly over the last few months. Throughout our study of, of Genesis 1, one of the things that has stood out to us is we've acknowledged is the, the way that this narrative is revealing the God who is moving the world from chaos in Genesis 1 verse 2, right? The earth was formless and void. It's this ancient Near East depiction of, of the chaotic. And God is moving it from this chaos and he's creating order and design. He does so with intentionality and purpose. And in each step of this, as, as the story continues to progress, right, his creation fulfills the creator's design of enabling life to flourish. Even as he places image bearers inside of his creation to share in this, this work, this God-given work of perpetuating this flourishing, this life, this shalom, as we talked about it. And then, after looking at all that he had created, seeing everything that, that he had done, Genesis tells us that he rests. Day seven is a day of rest. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, we can turn to Genesis chapter two. 
it's odd to me that this is like the chapter division um, because clearly like the, the uh, nature of Genesis 1 is this celebratory depiction of the God who creates, who has the power to create with his own word. And it, it really doesn't end in Genesis 131. It, it, it comes to its kind of culmination in Genesis 2, verse 3. Is this is where we pick things up today. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. So the heavens and the earth and everything in them were completed. On the seventh day, God had completed his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. For on it he rested from all his work of creation. So at the very culmination of God's creative activity, his creative work is rest. It's, it's ceasing. To borrow from Dr. Richter um, at Wheaton College, she wrote this. She said, on day seven, we see a king who is enthroned over a peaceful empire. Rest is built into the rhythm of creation. So let's begin by looking at the creation of rest. The creation of rest. I... Uh, a couple years ago, we did a series in January entitled The Rhythm of, of Rest, where we were looking specifically at the practice of Sabbath rest as, as people. And um, if you were here for that, you remember that, that that series was particularly challenging for me because it was something I had never really studied or taken seriously. And so I was learning as I was teaching, which is always the case. And I remember trying to depict or picture Sabbath rest, and I told this story, because, and I, I don't have a better one. Um, because one of the things that, that I remember about my dad that he loved to do was when my, when my little daughters were babies, right? His favorite thing was when we would visit them in Ohio was to get one of these little girls and to sit in his green recliner, like a hunter green recliner, like if you pick, if you were around in the '90s, you know like exactly the kind of hunter green I'm talking about. Um, and my parents took very good care of their furniture, so it was there for a long time. And he would kick back in that thing, and he'd have this baby girl sitting on his chest, and the two of them would just fall asleep, take take their afternoon nap together. And I think this is this is the way I picture the idea, the creation of rest, of watching my daughter rest in, in comfort and safety in this unconditional and unearned love. This image for me remains the clearest picture of God's design, his intent of why he created rest. It's space to draw near to the heart of God and to experience again, to be reminded of again of his unconditional, unearned love for us. I think that it, it goes without saying that God does not rest on day seven because he is operating out of a sense of depletion or limitation. So the creation of this, the, the design of this is not out of, it doesn't result for him out of need. It's given to us. In fact, one of the things that was fascinating to me in, in, in doing research for this was that the ancient 
Hebrew culture was the only culture in, in the world, that part of the world at the time, that had a day off. Like it was completely un, um, unequaled in the Mesopotamian cultures, Babylonian cultures, Egyptian cultures. It did not exist, which from a, like a socialist, uh, a, social, a sociologist, man, I really am stuck on that word. I must, <laughs> something's happening with me. Um, from a historian's perspective, studying societies um, is really unique. Normally, when you see something that is unique in a culture, like you're, you're looking for where they discovered this, where this idea emerged from, which I think is, is revealing the fact that this was given to them by God. Like they learned it from him. I think that to understand the idea of, of rest, um, it's helpful to look at the Hebrew words that are translated as rest in Scripture. The first word, I think, is the word that we're probably most familiar with, that we've heard. It's the word Shabbat. It's the word that we translate as Sabbath. It literally means, Shabbat literally means to cease from. This is the word used here in Genesis chapter 2 at the culmination of his creative work. Right? God is finished. He's, he's done. And so he ceases. He, he rests. The second word in Hebrew is the word nuach. Nuach uh, is this idea of to take up residence in or to settle in. So this is the word like in the Ten Commandments when, when Sabbath becomes codified as a part of the law that God gives his people... Right, this is the word that's used. So this is Exodus chapter 20, verse 11. It says, For the Lord God made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them in six days. And then he rested, he settled in, he took up residence on the seventh day. So this notion of, of settling in, of taking up residence, it's, it's also uniquely done so in a condition that offers safety and security and stability. So when you see... David fleeing from Saul and he finds um, a, a place to hide out. It uses that same word, nuach, like you're safe here. You can settle in here. You can take up residence here. These words, I think, help us understand the Hebrew conception of God's design. And so this is, this is more than just taking a day off. In the order of creation, God ceases and he settles into his created world. And our experience of rest then is to receive this from God, to, to cease and to settle into God's accomplished and completed work. We'll talk more on that in a minute. I want to just make two quick observations here as we continue to do this. It just stood out to me. First, I think it's, it's interesting that rest is instituted prior to the fall. Meaning that this is not something that God has given us as a result of or in response to the human condition after sin enters into the picture. Right? God's he built this into the rhythm of his creation. It's given to us as a, a relational gift between God and humanity, between creator and his creation. Sabbath rest is intended as, as a gift, and it, it's a foretaste of heaven. Secondly, we, we, it stood out to me that this is humanity's 
first experience. So humanity, image bearers, are placed in creation on the second half of day six. And so in in the narrative, right, then on day seven, God gives them rest. So their experience, and this is, it begins in a place of celebration, of relational intimacy with God and out of rest, right? We, they aren't living to get to rest, but rather in the rhythm of creation, they're actually living and working from it. Rest by its, by its ordered design is time and space to cease from our work to simply enjoy God, to experience his shalom, his his peace as we've talked about it, and to bask in the knowledge that he loves you entirely and perfectly. Let me say that again. Rest is, by God's ordered design, is time and space to cease from our work, right? To settle in and simply enjoy God to experience his peace, and to bask in the knowledge that he loves you entirely and perfectly. So with that definition in mind, can I ask you, when's the last time you rested? I would venture to guess that if if you are anything like the rest of our culture and anything like me, if we were to compare rest to eating many of us are starving most of us oftentimes live to this promise of rest this future thing that we hope to experience and achieve rather than out of the experience of it and i think if we're understanding genesis correctly we are missing something that we were created for and so the result is oftentimes this depleted, exhausted body of Christ. And let me ask you, when you are depleted and exhausted, is that the best version of you? Is that the most fun to be around, right? Is that the, are even you at your most productive? We're not. We're, We're failing to experience the fullness of a relationship that we were hardwired for from the very outset. And so maybe you're here this morning, maybe you even grew up in a church where, where the idea of Sabbath rest was talked about or instituted with almost sort of like legalistic dogma, like you, you, you worked really hard to not work, right? Maybe you're here this morning and this sounds brand new to you, or, or you're hearing it for the very first time, to both of us any of us, all of us in that spectrum, right? I would say like there's an invitation here for us, which brings us then to the invitation of of rest. The invitation of rest. Look again in verses two and three. It says, on the seventh day, God had completed the work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy for on it, he rested from all his work of creation. God builds rest into the rhythm of creation. And then uniquely, he calls that time and space, he uses the word blessed, which we've heard before, 
And then he calls it holy, which we, this is the first time in Genesis, in, in Scripture, that we see this word show up. I mentioned to you the, the series that we did a couple years ago. And um, following that, that time for me, I, I realized there was some things I was neglecting in my life. And so I wanted to do better about, um, about intentionally entering into times and space of rest. And one of the things that um, I kind of wanted to experiment with is when my family that summer went on vacation to the beach, we, I intentionally decided I was going to leave my cell phone sitting on the nightstand. Like if you, so if you start thinking about, okay, what are my barriers? What are the obstacles that I experience as it relates to rest? Like for me, one of them is technology. It's my phone. So it's like, I'm just going to leave this here. I'll check it when I'm in my room. I'll, I'll see if I've missed anything, but I'm not going to carry it with me. And I was like, I walked into that and I started with it and I was like, okay, this is all right. By like day three, I like had the shakes and like, and what was really fascinating about it, and I'm not, I'm not even entirely sure all that it revealed, but it really started to press on my insecurities. Like it was almost like I got to this point where it's like, well, maybe nobody needs me. Maybe nobody needs to, to talk to me, which I think was instructive of Something, this idea that Sabbath or rest invites us into something greater, but it involves a letting go of something. And sometimes that's difficult for us. Whereas we have worked our way through Genesis 1, as creation, as the story is unfolding, we've seen this refrain time and time again, and God saw that it was good. And then in verse 31, right, right, the verse right before where we picked things up today, right, he looks at the totality the completion of his creation and God saw all that he made and he said it was very good indeed but here on day seven we don't that's not repeated in fact instead of it being called good it's called blessed right animals had been blessed by God humans had been blessed by God and now this specific day day seven is blessed by God and it's called holy. And again, I think both of these words are instructive to our understanding of the invitation that rest extends to us. The word blessed, and I'm not going to go in depth here because we've talked about this over this series, right? but it's this, this designation of, of blessing as we've seen it throughout Genesis, is that it's this multiplication, extension of God's created purpose where life is flourishing. So the flourishing life that he created the world for, that he intended it for, there is a part of this rest experience that feeds that, 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 that accomplishes that. And we see it here when he calls it blessed. The increase in experience of knowing and loving God, of being known and loved by him. But then he also calls it holy. He calls it holy. And this is, like I said, this is the very first use of this word. This word is used over 150 times, the Hebrew word Kadesh, throughout scripture. And it shows up first here because this is a day set apart for divine purpose. A day set apart for divine purpose. So think about, one of the things about the word holy is one of the connotations of it is it, it's used frequently to describe God's presence. So if you think about Moses at the burning bush, 
and he's in this, and he comes up to the bush, and the voice from the bush, the, the, who says, I am who I am, he says, Moses, take off your sandals. Where you're standing is holy ground because you are in the presence of God. Or if you think about the, the construction of the temple or the tabernacle where God dwelt with his people, right? And in a portion of those buildings where the Ark of the Covenant resided, that this is the presence of God with his people. It's called the Holy of Holies. And now here in Genesis, right, this invitation into rest, invitation into the very purpose of his created order is to come into, to experience his presence with you. In his creation, he would dwell with his people. It's this conscious, intentional, set-apart space where we as his created image bearers intentionally enter into his presence, right? Is God any less present with us any other time? No, he's not. It's, not. it's not about his presence. It's about our awareness. It's about the state of our heart and mind and saying, okay, I am, I'm setting aside other things and I'm coming into this space to be with him and to meet with him. I want to return for a moment to that story I told just a few minutes ago. Where that was, how I was experiencing this and how it's pressing on these insecurities in my life. And what I think I realize is that the invitation into the presence of God, right, to, to be there, there is a, a certain vulnerability that we feel when we enter into that. There is a, a, a certain degree of exposure. So much so that I think it might be one of the reasons why I have a tendency to avoid it. But one of the things I want to encourage you with is, is we start to think about this. This idea, this invitation of rest, our designed need for rest. Right? The, despite the fact that I think it can be scary, in a sense, when we push through the fear, there is a safety and a security in that place. As, as we find ourselves in the life-giving, life-flourishing presence of our creator which then leads me to the the reminder of rest the reminder of rest we've entitled this in this whole series if you will remember the gospel in genesis we've been talking about how from the very outset from the page one of the bible we see that god is is moving this redemptive plan where people will be in his presence and i think one of the clearest pictures of that in genesis is is his creation of rest. Um, a couple months ago, we were hosting the live nativity here. And if you saw that or if you were a part of that, you know that the whole church was kind of like converted into this different scenes where people were hearing the story of the incarnation. It was beautiful and it was powerful and it was exhausting. Um, and it was well worth the effort. I loved it. But on Saturday night at 930, like the last group is going through, and I'm well aware of the fact that church is going to meet here at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning. And I'm looking at the place and I'm thinking this is impossible. We're going to be here till 1 in the morning. And I was outside um, putting stuff away. And we had groups of people who came just to help with putting things away. Even that, in my head, I was like, this is going to be a late night. And I'm out there 
putting stuff in the storage units and all these different things. And, and all the while in here, there's stuff happening. And so eventually I kind of like work my way inside everything outside that needed to be done then was done. And I come inside and I'm like, okay, now we get, now the real work begins. And this place was, people were literally putting the finishing touches on it. Like they're broomed and, and the chairs were all reset. I mean, I was like, almost knocked, like I got like almost emotional, literally. Like, I'm not gonna be here till one in the morning. Like it was like, and the, I, I can still remember that sense of like doneness. Like it's done. So you remember the invitation of Jesus in the gospels. He said, come to me, this is Matthew chapter 11, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you what? Rest. When Sabbath became a command in the Old Testament, and, and uh, the Ten Commandments in Exodus, the, the Sabbath command is rooted in creation. That's what we read in Exodus chapter 20. When the Ten Commandments are repeated in Deuteronomy, if you remember this, the fourth command, when the Sabbath commandment is given in Deuteronomy, it doesn't reference creation. It references Israel's exit out of Egypt. It says, as you come into Sabbath, it, it's, it is to remind you of your salvation. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, it says. And, and rest continues to be, for us, on this side of the cross, as people were trying to live as apprentices to Jesus, trying to figure out what this looks like in this world, Sabbath rest, rest continues to be for us the ultimate picture of our salvation in Jesus. Because he is our perfect rest. Because in him, right, the work is done. Our striving cease. There is no credential, no accreditation, no accomplishment that I need to add to my list to be found acceptable before a holy God. In reference to Jesus, the author of Hebrews says this. He says, therefore, a Sabbath rest remains for God's people. For the person who has entered his rest, meaning put their faith in Jesus, has rested from his own works just as God did from his. Eugene Peterson, um, who I appreciate his, his study, he said in his commentary on Genesis 1, when he's talking about rest, he says it is as if God was teaching justification by grace through faith from page one of the Bible. I think that's absolutely true. Rest, as it's instituted in Genesis 1 and the gospel of Jesus Christ, proclaim the same message. We do not work to get to a place where we finally get to breathe and rest. But rather we rest and we breathe and we enter into the presence of God because what he has done for us in Jesus. The design of rest in Genesis is not, it's not merely for our bodies. We can, we can accomplish that with a day off from work. But our souls find rest in him. Our strivings cease. And we settle into the accomplished work of Christ. We live and we work from God's love, not for it. From rest, and not to it. So this morning, as we respond to God's word together in community,
we're going to celebrate the Lord's table together. And as you may have guessed, um, we have set things up slightly differently. We did this in January, on January 1st, um, and, and kind of in the COVID world, we had to do some things uniquely, and, and yet that was, I always struggled with like the cellophane noise when we were like, like, like the Lord gave his disciples the bread, they peeled back the top, and they, <laughs> it just changed something for me. And so this morning, um, we are going to invite you to participate in a more active taking of the cup and the bread. If you're new with us, please don't feel any pressure to participate. If you cannot come forward, um, that's okay as well. Uh, our ushers in back, if you just raise your hand, they will bring you the elements. In a moment, I'm going to pray for us, and then I will um, set out the elements. And when you're ready, um, you can come. I'm going to ask you to kind of come forward down the center aisle. You'll take the bread. Um, you'll take the cup, and then you can return to your seat. And as the worship team just leads, they're going to be singing and playing behind us. As you're ready, you can take those elements. Um, and then they will, will respond and, and worship together. There are up here, by the way, if, if this is um, too much in terms of germs and all that stuff, I do have the, um, the normal cups there. You can take those as well. And then the, in the plastic wrapper are gluten-free wafers if, if, that's, um, if you need that this morning as well. So you'll come down the center aisle, kind of take the elements, return to your seat, take it when you're ready, and... Um, you can go back to your seat kind of this way. Is that making sense? Awesome. Would you pray with me? Father, we want to respond to your word. And Lord, I cannot think of a better way to experience and to be reminded of the life-giving work of Christ than to cease our strivings, to settle in, and to come to your table. To be reminded that in you the work is accomplished. That, that we have everything we need. That we can lay down our burdens. That we can cease our strivings. And that we can be found in you. And so this morning, Lord, as we take your bread, I pray that you would meet us in this place. As we drink your cup. I pray that you would be reminded, that we would be reminded of your promise, that in you our striving cease. Lord, meet us at your table this morning, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. I hope, I hope this morning um, that the invitation into his rest that is available to us in Jesus, even if it was for just the few moments that we were together, just allowed your soul to cease its striving to be found complete in him. This is what he has done for us. If we can pray with you this morning, it's, it's a privilege to do that. We have a prayer team available. Uh, if you came prepared to give this morning, our generosity boxes are, are by the side doors. We so appreciate uh, all the ways that you partner with us in this work, this community. Now receive this morning's benediction. Go now in the name of Jesus Christ, who has finished the work. He's completed it in him. We have everything we need, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.